0: This is Mental Work, the podcast unpacking the challenges faced by early career psychologists. And I'm your host, Dr. Bronwyn Milkins. Hey, mental workers, and welcome back to the Mental Work podcast for early career psychologists. Today, we've got a really interesting episode because it starts out with an early career psychologist who by the end of their degree already found themselves burnt out and thinking about changing careers and I guess considering what their place and role is in the psychologist field, how do they want to be as a mental health professional? Today, we'll be talking to Eloise Tompkins. She's a psychologist working in community mental health, and I'm really curious to hear about her background, what has prompted her to kind of reconsider her career in psychology, where she is now and where she is going. I hope it will be really relevant and helpful for you to hear from a fellow early career psychologist so that you can actually take that and reflect on your own career, but also hopefully have this sense that you're not alone in what you're going through. So Eloise, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's so nice to be here and I think this
1: is such a relevant thing to be talking about. So hopefully your listeners do find it helpful.
0: I hope they do. So let's start where it all happened. So can you tell me about this burnout that you were experiencing? I got
1: to the end of my degree and that I was burnt out already and I had not even started working yet, which... I kind of looked around me and I saw my fellow like the peers that I was studying with and I saw friends who were studying psychology and it was kind of this whole experience like we'd gone through this really long degree to get to this career and at the point of starting we were or I was already feeling burnt out didn't want to touch anything psychology related um thinking about reading psych books or upskilling learning about the client presentations that I was starting to see just felt really, really overwhelming. Yeah. And it got me questioning, like, is this the right thing for me to do? Mm. Um, If I, like, I felt like I couldn't handle it. I felt like I couldn't handle being a psychologist, even though it was something and really that I wanted and, and worked really, really hard for. It was just, yeah, that burnout really, really affected me.
0: Yeah. And I guess people kind of think of burnout sometimes quite flippantly, but we actually know it's quite serious. So to me, when I think of burnout, the definition that I have is when you have repeated stresses and your nervous system really just can't recover. So it's, I kind of just imagine a person holding a bunch of boxes and it's like, here's another box, here's another box, here's another box until it just collapses and you're crumbling underneath the heap. How did it feel for you? I really
1: like that analogy. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's a good one. I am I'm, I'm one, you ask my clients, they'll know me. They, I love getting analogies from people. Um, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like a lot of those boxes were getting the HDs, getting
0: mm.
1: marks, performing really well, which was really stressful because, like you said, your nervous system was, you know, constantly switched on. Um, there was it felt like there was no downtime, constantly learning, constantly doing, doing, doing. Um, to kind of achieve this goal, achieve this title um, that is kind of so tightly held. Um, Mm. You know, it's a restricted title, which is, you know, a wonderful thing in terms of knowing that we're going to be providing evidence-based support to clients. But at the same time, achieving that is also, yeah, just a really long process and a really tiring process. And I don't feel like we're taught how to navigate that. And I also don't feel like we're taught what else we can do outside of being a psychologist.
0: Yeah, I do wonder with that, because it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the burnout, it sounds like there was so much pressure and just the onerous requirements, I guess, of the degree and you have to do so much. So um, Eloise and I actually took the same pathway, not the same universities, but we both did the five plus one pathway. And I remember during my fifth year, like I would say I definitely in the second semester, I met the criteria for depression. I was so depressed. I was so burnt out. I just didn't want anybody to be around me. I was just doing assignments like every night. Was that kind of what? it was for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so by the end of the degree, like what had you through university and maybe just your contact with other psychologists, what was your expectation of what work you could do as a psychologist?
1: I wanted, so I'm kind of um, digressing a little here, but what I wanted um was become a counseling psychologist, like I wanted to do therapy with clients, not necessarily yep. endorsed as a counseling psychologist, but I wanted to do therapy talk-based therapy, Um, and that was kind of all I knew um, of what a psychologist would do. But then I landed a few different jobs. I worked with children at one point where I got to do assessments and I got to do uh, report writing, kind of working in a system, which was pretty cool. Then I realised that wasn't for me. (laughs) I moved on to work with adults um, and did that kind of one-to-one counselling and absolutely loved that. Yeah. So I guess I didn't really know what you could do as a psychologist. I think that kind of really came for me in masters. I just knew that what I wanted to do that talk-based therapy was you became a psychologist to do that.
0: So in your experience, it was like, okay, psychologist does talk-based therapy. Yeah. How long did it take you to fully recover from the burnout? I mean, I hope you are fully recovered, but. (laughs) I'm two and a half
1: years uh, post-registration now. Um, and I would say that within the last, I want to say six months. Um, so that's a good two years post registration in a pandemic as well. So I Mm. think
0: that help, but yeah, definitely two years. So amongst that time when you were recovering from burnout, was there some sort of dissatisfaction creeping in with the idea that a psychologist just talks or was there a dissatisfaction with the idea that a psychologist is kind of, I guess, pigeonholed into this thing? Can you tell me more about that? Mm, I really enjoyed the one-to-one work. I think for me, what happened
1: is, I don't know, like I think I have a bit of a tendency and I think a lot of psychologists can relate to this, that we, Um, are people pleasers and we want to keep doing more (laughs) and putting more and more on our plate. Um, And so in addition to working clinically, um, which I was doing three days a week at that point in time, I was also doing some online tutoring through an online university. So I had a fair bit on my plate because, I don't know, I just... That was the role I got offered three days a week, client-based work. So it worked for me at the time. And then I added a fourth day onto that. And then my dad had a stroke. Mm. That kind of threw everything into a tailspin for me because I was mm, roughly six months post-registration when that happened. So I was still kind of in this learning, um, wrapping my head around what it means to be a fully yeah. be a psychologist. Uh, in public health, working with these clients who are presenting with lots of different issues um, and also kind of navigating my own personal crisis at the time and trying to support my family when I'd also just increased to four days a week. So Uh,
0: I mean, when you say it like that, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a perfect storm, right? For stress and burnout and just like anybody in that situation, no matter if they're Wonder Woman, would find that really difficult. Totally. And I think
1: for me, I was burning out already, mm. but just adding kind of that external event, which was a kind of a serious event, um, well, not kind of, it was a serious <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> led me to realise that I was putting so much on my plate and I needed to take some stuff off. Yeah. So I kind of worked to take, and I and I think it's also that, pressure that we kind of get put into from our under or from our studies that striving for to do more to achieve more to get the higher marks and so it's kind I feel that it's kind of fed into us throughout our degree to kind of really exhibit some of those traits
0: yeah I would agree with that I I tend to say to people that I'm like therapists are either self-sacrificers or perfectionists and sometimes both and sometimes that gets exacerbated by the degree as well, where you're told to constantly strive for better and that nothing you do is ever kind of good enough.
1: A hundred percent. And my yeah. work struggling to get staff and they, you know, were really needing to have people take on extra days. So I guess I kind of, um, they weren't putting any pressure on me, but I felt pressure. Yeah. So I took that extra, extra work. And then my dad got sick and, yeah, kind of all came crashing down. And I was like, I
0: really need to make some changes here. I really need to make some changes. Yeah. And tell us what happened next. I guess I'm really lucky that I'm able
1: to identify, or I should say my psychologist,
0: my own psychologist,
1: is really helpful at kind of making me aware when there's too much on my plate, because sometimes I'm very much in denial. Um, And so, but at that point in time, like, I think there was just so much on my plate that I knew that I needed to take some stuff off. So thankfully work was pretty supportive and they reduced me back down to the three days. But even then, like, it just kind of that burnout can, because it was already, you know, nervous system blown out. Yeah. Um, all those boxes were still there and like, like they were on fire by that point. They
0: were <laughs> <You're> burning inferno.
1: <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. It, w- it was really tough. It made me think, you know, I'm like, am I cut out for this? Am I cut out to be a psychologist? Like I've got these clients, so I really want to help you. Then you'd have a client who would come and they would disengage or, there'd be some kind of rupture in the relationship. And, you know, because you're already, I was already burnt out. I'd be like, am I cut out for this? Or have I just spent all these years learning all these
0: things? And now
1: I'm realizing that actually I can't do this.
0: Because those things hurt. Like when you say like ruptures in the relationship or a client disengages, like we're human too. And yeah, I've, I've shared, Similar experiences, and it really does hurt when those things happen. It also requires much more emotional energy. So, to repair a rupture, depending on the kind of rupture, that could take like, if I imagine my energy as a pie chart for the day, it, it, that could take like 70% of my emotional energy just to kind of deal with that. What about you? You have nailed it. And I yeah. think that's where the impact for me
1: came in with my friends and family and just other relationships that I would have. Like, I would get home from work and I'd have a friend message me or they'd want to catch up during the week. And I would just not respond to the message. I would, Or I would respond just like super short or would kind of decline catching up because I just didn't have that space. And I didn't like that about myself. I didn't like, yeah, I didn't like how being a psychologist was impacting me on a personal level. And I never thought that would happen.
0: Yeah. And then it sucks because it's like we could recognize these things hurt just as humans and we're putting in so much emotional energy but then that thought creeps in and it's like, maybe I'm not cut out. Maybe I'm the bad one here.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Maybe I'm not doing good enough. And you know, I was really lucky um, that I've had some really good supervisors. Yeah. Like <laughs> I remember like I would, in particularly when I was in my sixth, sixth. Yeah. That's a mouthful <laughs> um, <laughs> to go and talk to one of my supervisors and just be like in a massive panic and, You know, uh, the amount of times I cried, I think pretty much every supervision, there were tears. And then finally got to a point, you know, where I was able to, and speaking of that though, with supervision, I would highly recommend an external supervisor. um, Because when you're feeling stressed and, you know, you're in tears every time you go and talk to them, um, it can be really helpful to have someone external so that you're not kind of crying in front of your workplace supervisor. Good tip. Nothing wrong with that. But yes, I just found it really helpful to have somebody external to, yeah, chat to about some of the organisational stuff as well.
0: Yeah, because they're not attached to the organisation. Yeah. So then I guess you can feel more free to speak with them. 100%. Yeah. Mm, I'm glad that you had that. So you were experiencing this, you had your supervisors, uh, you dropped back down to three days a week, um, wondering if you're not cut out to be a psychologist.
1: Wow, it's so interesting hearing you say that back and kind of reflecting on it because I feel like I'm kind of out of the other side at the moment, but at the same time, like there is this part of me that has been thinking, okay, is this it? And and <laughs> thinking of all these schemas and like my health standards are kind of kicking in and it's like, yeah. all right, what now? <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, kind of take us through that because one of the things we talked about off air was that you're kind of interested in this coaching space. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear how it kind of came to the point where you're like, maybe I'm not cut out to be a psychologist, but maybe there's also more out there than just mm. doing it the way that I've always done it. Like, can you take us through what kind of led to like, maybe coaching, you know, could be a thing? Yeah,
1: I think for me... What I was starting to recognize in myself was that the one to one client load is a lot. Mm. and there are people out there who can do seven, eight clients a day. I don't know how they do it um because I do four or five, and I'm yep, like,, me too. I'm done. yeah. <laughs> I was kind of looking at private practice, and I was thinking, all right, so. Um, maybe I can do a little bit of private practice work because for, for all your listeners, air quote, there's more money in that.
0: <laughs> I mean, to reference listeners, listen to my episode where I actually break down how much I earned in my first year of private practice uh, and, then, and then be shocked.
1: Yeah. So I, I being me and my little spreadsheet, I <laughs> um, made a little spreadsheet and worked out how many clients I would need to see taking into account you know, I'm not going to go into it because you've got your episode that will go into that in more detail, but I crunched oh, no, I'd i love to hear it from your perspective. Like tell us more. Well, I know I just looked at the spreadsheet and I had, because I was thinking of contracting through a private practice. Um, if I was earning, I don't know, let's just say $200 an hour, then you have to pay the practice or you have to split the fee. So you'd end up with, I don't know, 130 30, 140, whatever you end up with. Um, and then annual leave, sick leave, mm-hmm. super, tax. Like if you're doing it the um, way an organisation would. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I was. I wanted to base it on because I wanted to actually see what the hourly rate would end up being. And I was like, oh my god, like it's actually less than what I'm getting now. Wow. Yeah. So, when, and and if a client doesn't turn up at my work, or if I take a well a sick day, I get paid for that. Whereas if I were in private practice and a client didn't rock up, I wouldn't get paid. Correct. Yeah. I, and then I was also thinking it's based on one to one. So private practice and even my current job is is based on that one to one model. And I thought if I'm physically and mentally and emotionally limited. Um, in terms of my nervous system, in terms of my energy, my capacity as a psychologist to only be only air quotes again, be able to see five or so clients a day, give or take, then that's 15 clients a week, which is going to cap my income at whatever per week. And I thought, oh, okay. And I don't know, like in my head, um, and I didn't do any research around this when I was, ta- when I was contemplating um, psychology as a career, I didn't do any research around what a psychologist makes. Who
0: does really? Like I don't know anybody like who has. I mean, that would be like amazingly, uh, I don't know. Proactive. Thinking, yeah, proactive and thinking into the future. I don't know if I was thinking that far. I was just trying to get through my next assignment. Same,
1: same. And like that pressure, right? Yeah. No, you don't think of that. But I don't know, you think of healthcare or you think of like, I guess from my perspective, I was like 200 bucks an hour, sweet. Yeah, cha-ching. Um, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like I to switch charging, you know, and I was like, okay, sweet. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't ever break it down until I became a psychologist and then I was like, oh my God. And then I just kind of thought, I, you know, this isn't the life that I want to lead. I don't mm. want to, yeah, be capped. And And I see all these successful people Around doing these amazing things. And I came across this psychologist turned business coach. And and it just was like cosmic timing. I don't know if that's the right phrase or saying, but it was just came at the right time. I was still in my burnout phase. I was like, fuck this. I'm done. Yeah. I don't know that I'm cut out for this, even though I loved the work. Like, I love the work. The clients, not all of them but a lot of the clients loved me and they came back and wanted to see me so like I was doing good a good job yeah but it was just impacting me so much and and this person came along at just the right time and I saw this thing on Facebook and she was offering um a course specifically for health professionals specifically for psychologists and it intrigued me and I jumped on board and I kind of haven't looked back and what I've learned through doing that is we have, psychologists have, you have, your the listeners have mm. all of these amazing skills that we've developed over our six years of training, plus our supervision, plus all of the work that we've done with clients. So we've got not only the theory, but we've got that practical experience of working with people to really understand human behavior and there are so many ways that we can use those skills, and one of the ways that we or the predominant way that we have been trained to use those is working with clients who are who are unwell and and obviously that varies on a spectrum, right like your clients at the pointy end who might need to be admitted because they're unwell. then you've got um you know people in the community who are functional to a degree, but they might be struggling in particular areas or you might have people who are functional but just need to be brought up to kind of that fun, like more functional point. I'm kind of thinking at that midway point and they're just yeah. kind of, Well, maybe just above that. Mm. But what I think we also forget is that there are people at the other end of that as well. There are people at kind of the flip side who want to flourish and who want to extend on themselves and there is such a market in that area in that space and a lot of coaches are working in that space. And I think psychologists have a tendency to hear the word coach and create a it cr- can create a real strong reaction. I know it did with me when I first heard that. What that Ugh, no, yeah. um, <laughs> and I still don't like. I still don't like the word. I you know, but there's so much um, opportunity. I think to help more people, and it's interesting because I was talking to my hairdresser, and she was saying to me that, because I was kind of talking to her about my ideas and my thoughts around yeah. what I do. And she said that she went to a psychologist and because she just wanted to extend herself, she wanted to learn some more skills and tools to kind of move towards flourishing more. She was doing okay, highly functional. And she said to me that she went for two or three sessions and felt like she wasn't unwell. Mm. And She was too well to go to see the psychologist. And it was just really interesting having that conversation to kind of hear her perspective that she wants that support. So people out there are wanting support, but at the moment, psychology is very much focused on people who are unwell. So this has been a long-winded way of, I guess, saying that there's so much scope for us, maybe mm. Outside of how we've been looking at how a psychologist can kind of operate in the world, whether it's through the title of a psychologist or or something else,
0: yeah, it's really interesting hearing you talk about this because even as you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, no, I was never told that psychologists could work with people who are wanting to flourish. Uh, I don't like literally never received a lecture on it, never talked about it in supervision, never even considered the possibility that I could work with people who flourish. If anything, I've been told that when people are well and they're in they do a questionnaire, and they're in the likely to be well phase. That's time to discharge. They, you know, don't ask them if they actually want to flourish any further. Get them out. Um, that's that's been my training. Yeah,
1: and that's kind of getting them to that midway point, right? Yeah, the point of not being unwell. Mm. And then, you know, some clients are okay there. Like, yeah. I have many clients who I've kind of brought from that below functioning point. I don't, I don't like those terms, but I don't yeah, don't yeah. I'm sorry. I can, I'm just imagining listeners sitting there thinking about like the terms that I'm
0: using. So I'm no, sorry. No, no, it's, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> Georgian to us, this medical model. I was having a talk with somebody the other day about the word insight. And I was like, oh, insight is defined as when the client's uh, definition of how unwell they are fits in with my formulation. And I was like, crap, that's so problematic because that yeah. privileges my interpretation of their experience. And then I had a bit of a crisis. Um, so, yes, yeah, yeah. so I totally understand the words you're using are not perhaps preferred, but they're just the ones we got for now.
1: Yeah, Yeah. they're the words that I've got for now. And I'm just using them for simplicity. Like my brain is ping-ponging all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like I can feel it when I talk about it. I can feel the shift in me and I can feel the excitement and I can feel the hope again. And not that I dislike working with clients who do need that support um, because I love that. You know, I love working with clients and I love seeing those changes. But I also think that, you have people who are not trained and I've seen so many of them. Um, in fact, I was watching a live on Instagram the other day with a coach. I, I just happened to be on at the right time, I guess. And she was doing a hot seat coaching session with a um, person she'd never met before. She wow. was just, yeah. Um, like it was, I don't know, she was launching a product or something. A call, I don't know, she was launching something and was doing a live with someone, some person she'd never met. And she was asking some really great questions. I was like, yeah, your questions are kind of spot on. They're great. But this poor person was outside of their window of tolerance. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, oh you, need- no. <laughs> you need to pull breaks a little bit. Yeah. There. And she just kept poking the bear. And um, it was just really interesting kind of observing that because I was like, oh, wow, actually, like I do have skills that other people don't have. So how come she's making millions of dollars? Like literally, I'm not even making (laughs) doing this. And yet there's people out there who have this title of psychologist but might feel um, that they have to hold that title of psychologist, like in the sense of working um, as a psychologist or what APRA is going to say or fear that they can't do these other things or don't even know that these other things are possible.
0: I mean, like that's really important to note because even as a psychologist, you are looking at that live and you, you must've been picking up on things that told you that this person is going outside their window of tolerance or they're already outside of it, that they're already kind of entering in this distress, like crap, you need to get them back in kind of thing. Um, and that's a, that's a skill that we've developed over time. Like I know that when I do it, I kind of look towards people's eyes and their eyebrows and I can pick up subtle shifts in their face and their posture. And that tells me that that might be happening. And so you're right, like these are skills and if It sounds like it's telling you that there's money to be made in other areas and it's not necessarily what we always thought, that we'd always have to make money working with people who are very, very unwell, that we could work on this other end of the spectrum of people who want to flourish.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and that's kind of, I think, I mean, people might not, and that's okay, you know, but it's exciting because I think that, like you said, it's not taught. And I mean, if we were to kind of talk about which area of psychology this is, like, we'd be kind of thinking that positive psychology space. But then there are people out there who, again, using these terms of functional, um, really don't like that. (laughs) But, you know, these people who are out there and they're doing okay, um, they're still going to have stuff. They're still going to have some unhelpful beliefs because, you know, we're human. That's what we do. Um, Who might not need the same intensity of treatment but they still want something and they still are deserving of our help and our support and and same with those people at the other end you know they also still deserve our support as well so it's not saying it needs to be an either or but i guess there's room for all of that
0: well maybe speak to the emotions that you do feel when you think of this possibility of coaching it sounds like it brings you hope and that you feel excited like what else does it bring you when you actually think about like oh there's more out there Yeah, that's a really good
1: question. I think it's just this excitement. Like it it feels like the door has been opened to this world that I hadn't considered because it can be quite narrow as a psychologist. Like one of the questions you asked earlier was around what did you think about uh, what a psychologist could do when Mm. you first started your career? And it was that was very narrow, right?
0: Mm.
1: Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, one to one therapy, and yeah, pick that box, and, and I'm done. Um, and even thinking of things like assessments and report writing and the different types like forensics and children and adults, you know, but I don't know, even that felt kind of limiting to me. Um, so kind of having this idea that you can work with your preferred client in ways that feel really good to you. I want to do something online. Like my hope is to, I really want to work with women and I really want to work with women who, where there's room for them to love themselves more, where there's room to fully embrace themselves. Because, you know, the people, the people that the women that I'm thinking of are single. They're in their their mid thirties to early forties and childless. Um, So kind of me, (laughs) Because like there's that sense of I haven't ticked these boxes in society. I've, I've chased after my career and I've done that really well, but through doing so, I've kind of missed some of these other um, opportunities in life and, and feel almost like it's too late. And, you know, I kind of want to work with people, women to almost fight the patriarchy, you know, like, why do we have to have these um, rules that tell us how we should live? And, you know, doing that as a psychologist sure, you can work with those clients one-on-one, but how amazing would it be to work with these clients in a group outside of just, again, air quotes, a psychologist, um, and to be able to provide that support in creative and uh, unique ways that utilise all of the skills that we have. Yeah, it sounds really meaningful and fulfilling. Absolutely. And also brings in money and, um, you know, that satisfaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. Like, yeah, if that's for you in the future, it sounds like it could be really, really good for you.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, not only good for me, but I would hope that it's also good for my clients, sure. for people I <laughs> end up working with as well. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> we better think about them as well. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think that there's so much knowledge that we have and we're we're so fortunate to have this knowledge and sometimes it can be helpful to open up our minds a little bit and think about the ways in which we want to work. And for some people that is just is going to be a psychologist in community health, and that's okay. But for those who are feeling a little bit like me, who did feel burnt out wondering if this is for them, or wanting to pivot a little and do something a little bit different, then there's also opportunities for that out there for you as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's so good to know, because as well, I guess kind of coming back to how we feel as early career psychs, like there is this pressure that you're never knowing enough, that you're kind of early, you don't actually know anything. And so when I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, it's so refreshing to hear that we do know things, almost like don't underestimate ourselves because we have literally hundreds and probably a few thousand hours of experience working in depth with people. And that's not something to be like, you don't know anything. Yeah. 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 And I think when we start out, I know I certainly did, you know, it was always
1: this five-year post-registration, then you're no longer an early career and then you'll know stuff kind of like that. I don't know. That was how I viewed it. Yeah. But sometimes I'll be talking to, I'll be talking to clients and, I'll you know, do some psycho on something and the penny just drops for them and they're like, mm. oh my goodness. Yeah. Me, I'm just, I'm sitting there thinking like, this is just, How do
0: you not know this? Yeah, yeah, no, same, like literally, um, I I do a few coffee catch-ups with ladies and they've got this group and I do coffee catch-ups and I do breakfast and stuff. Whenever they find out I'm a psychologist, they kind of look to me and I was telling them some basic stuff about attachment theory the other week and they're like, wow, you're so wise. And I'm like, (laughs) initially, this is my bread and butter, mate. Like I do this every day. But yeah, it's like when you actually get out to people in the community, they're like, crap, like, you know this, you know that you know about ADHD, you know about attachment. And it's so basic to us, but it's actually like you say, the penny just drops at other people And and if we could share that with people who want to flourish, it sounds like it could be really beneficial.
1: 100%. And I think because it, it, I don't know, like feels like common sense, feels like we should just know, or it might be things that in the past, like before we started studying psych, we'd kind of heard about. Other people just know, feel, we feel like other people will just know this as Yeah, well.
0: yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't. And this is where, yeah. like, like you say, like even talking to you, I feel like energized because it's like, oh, I actually do know more than I thought. And yeah, it's open up. Like you say, it's this openness. Um, so otherwise, I'm really wondering, like, it sounds like this is kind of the future for you, but is there anything else in your future that you kind of see, I guess, as you transition to perhaps this coaching or is there something else on the radar for you? I think I definitely want to
1: explore coaching Um, and I'm still absolutely going to work under the title of psychologist. I've worked too hard to give that up. Um, And and I think that I do want to work with those people who, yeah, want to kind of process some more of that trauma related stuff. Um, But I'm kind of excited. Like I'm at the very start of this coaching journey, so I don't know what that looks like for me yet. Yeah. But I just know that I kind of want more freedom in the way that I do things. So that's where I'm at the moment. Um, watch this. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's really cool. It's like we've picked, uh, it's like we've come to you at a crossroads. Like, I'd be so curious to hear like even six to 12 months time, like how you are going and what's changed. I find this really interesting <laughs> people's career journeys. Um, yeah, me too. I would so- love to know where I'm going
1: to be in six months. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: So Eloise, I think we're kind of like coming towards the end. We've touched on some really important points, but I just wanted to ask you, is there anything else that you want listeners to really take away from our discussion? I guess just kind of veering back to that, the stuff that we were
1: talking earlier about burnout is this idea of just being aware of your limits. I think Mm. that's really, really important and being able to yeah access that within yourself in terms of not continuing to push on just because you're feeling the pressure from other people to do so or you're feeling that internal pressure from yourself yeah and that kind of needs to be a proactive thing I think I kind of touched on that and I think that can be really really difficult to do because often with us with psychologists we can be high achievers so yeah I don't know that's kind of a takeaway that I would really um Reflect on, and also what we've kind of spoken about is just that there are so many opportunities out there for you.
0: Now, I hear you on the proactiveness and how difficult that can be. And perhaps uh, coming back to what you said, is that it really helped you to see your own psychologist as well, and they were able to pick up on things. So it sounds like sometimes I think when you're kind of in the forest, it's really hard to see a way out, and that you're stuck in so deep into the forest. And it really sounds like having somebody else who can kind of see the forest from the trees is really helpful.
1: Yeah. And I absolutely agree. And I really think it's important um, to have your own psychologist. Yeah, I do. Being a psychologist as well. For so many reasons. I just think it's really, really important. I tell with um, the students that I tutor, I tutor undergrad psych. Yeah. And it's something that I will always say is, you know, um, I'm doing a webinar with some of the students next week. And one of the things that I'll be telling them is, see so your own psychologist, because it can just be really helpful being on the other side of the chair and understanding what that experience is like. Absolutely. And getting, using your term from before insight.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on, on, your own, on your own stuff. So. Well, thank you so much, Eloise. So coming on the podcast, I really appreciate hearing about your journey in this early career stage. And as you kind of transition and out of crossroads into something different. And I'm also really grateful that this coaching opportunity just came to you like it sounds so fortuitous. It was just like you were open and receptive and then this great thing came in and you're like, "Ah, oh, this gives me a lot of hope. So I'm really glad that that happened for you. And Eloise, if listeners want to learn more about you or get in touch, where can they actually find you? Yeah, so probably the best place at the moment
1: will be Instagram, which is just my name, Eloise Tompkins underscore
0: I will link to that in the show notes. And yeah, if you do want to get in touch with Eloise, check out her Instagram. And again, thank you so much, Eloise. That's a wrap. And thank you listeners for listening and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mental Work, the podcast for early career psychologists. Podcasts are pretty tough and it's really hard to get the word out there. So there are a couple of things you could do to really help us out. One, leave a review. Second, consider sharing the podcast with your peers. We would love you for it. Thanks for listening and see you next time.